Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This episode of Doing Time may contain audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died and discussion of deaths in custody. Today is a special broadcast dedicated to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities, particularly children and new mothers. First up on the show, we will hear from Auntie Eleanor Burke, who is a commissioner at the Uruk Commission, and she's a Werigay Wamba Wamba elder and is chair of the Uruk Commission. We will interview Auntie about the Uruk Commission's tabling of its second interim report, Uruk for Justice. Victoria's child protection and criminal justice systems examining historical and current systemic injustices as a direct result of colonisation in the settler state. We will discuss the important findings and recommendations for reform in this report. Then we will bring you an interview with Debbie Kilroy from Sisters Inside about Queensland's new watch house laws categorically violating children's rights and further exacerbating the human rights emergency in Queensland's already broken youth justice system, disproportionately affecting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. 180 Aboriginal rights activists, human rights experts, disability advocates and social services unite against Queensland's new watch house laws. And Debbie has organised a, organized a massive mass rally in Queensland. We'll speak to her about that. Listeners may recall that some weeks ago now I interviewed Deputy Chair Professor Sue Ann Hunter about the Commission and its findings regarding injustices in the criminal justice system. The Uruk Justice Commission is a Royal Commission and Victoria's formal truth-telling process. It is the first of its kind in Australia. And we will now speak with Auntie Eleanor Burke. Hello Eleanor, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's really lovely to have you. And today is a very a very important day, isn't it? Can you tell listeners about what's happened and and what's happened with the with the report? Well, we presented the uh, Europe Justice Commission's second report into Victoria's child protection and criminal justice systems to the governor last Thursday. She presents it to presented it to the Premier and therefore to the Government of Victoria and this morning we launched that at a media uh, 
press conference in the, on our premises. And there was a smoking ceremony before the... We had, we had a what? smoking ceremony before that, yes, and uh, that went well. Plenty of smoke, so nice and cleansed. Beautiful, beautiful. And a good start to the day. Auntie Eleanor, could you just tell us what land you're from? Uh, I'm a Wurugaya and Wamba Wamba descendant. That's northwestern Victoria. Wurugaya is more the Wimmera around uh, Warwick Nabeel, Horsham, and uh, the towns that are sort of in the the dry part of the state. Um, And uh, that's through my grandmother and her, her father was born in that country around uh, Lake Albacatcha. Uh Wamba Wamba through my grandfather, who um, was um, from Lake Boga, just out of Swan Hill. Uh, water people, river people. And uh, I was born in Hamilton myself, but uh, went at a, probably two or three years uh, of age to Swan Hill, back to my mother's people. And uh, so grew up there for a time before we went to Muldura. Thank you so much. It's really important for people to know about country. And I always ask people about what land they're from. It's, it's important. Now, Auntie, I'm sure you, you know better than I do about the fact that there have been devastating consequences for for First Nations people from the early protection legislation and then, you know, setting really harsh patterns for the future. Can you talk to us about the really powerful evidence that emerged as a result of colonisation and, and look at some of the findings of the report? Uh, I uh, I can tell you some statistics about sure. what we did do to gather, gather the information. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I haven't got a report in the room with me at the moment, which That's is okay. a bit blue. That's okay. But, uh, but the, the first thing to say is that this is an historic moment in that we have had the opportunity uh, to investigate child protection and criminal justice systems uh, as a royal commission, and there are four First Nations people who are commissioners plus one um, retired uh, Supreme Court judge. And um, we have done our work through uh, the usual research but also by going out to our people after we had elders who appeared in the first lot of hearings advise us that these were spaces that we should be uh, uh, looking at child protection, you know, dislocation from country and uh, sort of thing, the bad things that happened at the beginning which have really continued until today. Um, it has been a, a gruelling uh, agenda, to be honest, and uh, we are very pleased that we're able to get a two-part report out with some 46 recommendations. But we engaged with so many of our people, both um, on country and uh, in our hearing room, and people were so generous 
in telling us their story, their truth about things that had happened to them in these two spaces. Um, so we were listening to the voices of our people as well as the voices of from government agencies as, as well as looking at some of the historical documents. We visited adult and youth prisons as a collective and we received um, about 100 submissions from people about topics relating to this work. That's um, really important information, actually. And I'm just having a look at the the summary here, Auntie, and I just wanted to see if you wanted to comment. Is it? Can I just take read, read out something here for you, and maybe you can just comment on that. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. So the Uruk makes 46 recommendations, as you said, across five categories, and that's the transformative change of the child protection and the criminal justice system, where the treaty process recommendations. Um, are looked at and urgent actions across both the child protection and criminal justice systems relating to accountability and cultural competency. I won't read them all out. I just no. thought I'd just um, read them out just to, to to jog your memory. Yes, yes. Well, there's sort of two parts to that uh, piece you've read out. One is you know the immediate and what can be done quickly by a government that has been outstanding for such a long time. Uh, you know, from previous reports, and, and I think you know many of those things there to do with bail and the age of children, you know, in, kept in prisons and uh, very well known from previous reports uh, of government. Um, and there is some commitment, some change toward in attitude uh, about some of those things, but the test will be when government uh, has, now that government has re- received this, report formally just what else can be done and we've made it clear that uh, we need more to be done not to be part of something that still leaves uh, a situation where our people stay within the system. The second part uh, that I'd comment on is that uh, in relation to treaty matters um, I mean the history of uh, the Commission is that you know we engaged with government very, uh, I'm not sure how many years ago now, it seems like 10 or more, when we were asked by the this Labor government what did we want for our people and we eventually came up with the idea of treaty and the Premier took that on board and we started working with the then Department of uh, uh, called Aboriginal Victoria or Aboriginal Affairs Victoria uh, and had working groups advising that department about what to do. That eventually led to the establishment of the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, chaired by Commissioner Jewel Gallagher, a sole commissioner. Out of that work was the recommendation that the First Peoples Assembly be set up as a representative body for Aboriginal people, and that happened in 2019. And their work in their first year was to um, to decide that before treaty making should happen, that there should be a truth-telling exercise, and hence Uruk was formally established as this first truth-telling process in this country. Uh, and uh, so uh, here we are in the midst of that work. Uh, I think it's important to note that... Um, 
the work that uh, was done by Commissioner Gallagher at the time already had an agenda for the first First People's Assembly, and that was to talk to government about self-determination fund, to talk about how this could happen, treaty negotiating, and a tribunal for dispute. So all of that has happened and is happening so that this particular assembly will get to work on treaties, what the situation is with treaties. So it's been a long road. It didn't happen quickly. It happened, uh, you know, before we got involved, of course, in the time frame that I've described to you, because many of our elders were engaged in this space, fighting for child protection and uh, criminal justice matters. It's just um, in your opening remarks, you know, you, you talk about the fact that there's been a lot of stories of racism and discrimination of injustice and trauma and that's actually the basis of the report isn't it and and giving an example of babies being put on a path to the child protection system where they get taken away even before they're born yes well the 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 mother is visited and when the child is when the child is due to be born the baby's taken if if that Mothers had uh, contact with the welfare system. Yeah, that's uh, really about a stolen, second stolen generation, isn't it? Well, it is, and that's part of that story. Yes, yes. Um, I'm really glad that this was spoken about during the opening remarks of the press conference this morning. Yes. Uh, well, the, the thing about the stolen generation, uh, you know, it, it's a, sort of a continuum again, you know, from those early days. There was, uh, people were moved off the land, but there was legislation that did not enable them to be anywhere else but somewhere foreign, and uh, that created a wave, and it's continued, you know, up until now. And, of course, we've had people who go looking for their family because they know... They know that somebody went missing you know, a generation or two back, and and it's all usually in uh, you know in the oral history. And uh, the government did um, do a, a package, and I'm not totally on top of that, but I did attend the uh, uh, the event that um, where the premier announced a package and. Uh, the committee uh, that is chaired by Ian Ham, and I think people are still working on that reparations for that particular situation, and it's ongoing unless we get uh, changes to the way um, women and their babies are treated when they come into contact with the criminal justice system. So there are 46 recommendations, and I was downloading the report today. It's it's pretty hefty, isn't it? It is, it is. We we didn't uh, anticipate it being as big as it was, but once we started writing it, uh, it was very hard to uh, to leave some things out, and it was very hard uh, because we the recommendations that we came up with were around that number, and I think we added one uh, later that was made it 46, which... Um, we just felt had to be had to be included because. And know, which one, one was that? It, well, I think it's the forty-six one, but the uh, the um, 
the reason being that, you know, this is an historic moment. This won't, opportunity won't present itself again. So we had to uh, to do the work we did, describe it, put people's voices into the report and make those recommendations so that there would be action based on the evidence that we've heard. Uh, and we hope, we hope, this will not be another report that sits there because we will have the people in the First Peoples Assembly able to lobby and uh, agitate if uh, there's no action when the Commission has completed its other uh, terms of reference. Absolutely. But the really good thing is, though, that um, the Uruk heard evidence also of, of incredible work too done by First Peoples. Yes. We, we have uh, many people out there working uh, away uh, trying to make things better. There are uh, old co-ops that have become um, very strong um, Aboriginal community-based organisations in the health field, very large organisations working for our people in the region. Uh, we also have um, uh, many people that work in other spaces that are parts of support, like the Aboriginal Islander Child, um, Aboriginal Islander Child Care yeah. Space, um, VACA. There's so many organisations that are in, entrenched um, that, you know, we need them to be uh, able to deliver with the best resources, but also deliver in the way that our community that is, regional towns that are not necessarily close to the city are also um, benefiting and things change for them. And there were seven formal apologies that were made by representatives of government of the past ongoing harm caused by Aboriginal people in the hands of the state. Yes, yes, that was uh, that was something to... To hear really, uh, people. Um, we had we had a moment where uh, I think one of the departments, uh, possibly in DPC, came and did not make a an apology, and um, it upset uh, us and a uh, commissioner particularly because it was very poor form. Yeah. And uh, once that happened, we had people. Um, sorry, people not acknowledging the traditional owners. I'm sorry, I meant to say there. That's okay. Uh, yes, and and uh, when that happened, it changed the way senior bureaucrats presented and ministers and heads of uh, authorities like the chief commissioner of police. Um, and uh, we had those uh, apologies um, with. Uh, a, a lot more attention that we might have had otherwise and uh, we still want to uh, engage with the, uh, uh, to the Chief Pol Pol uh, Commissioner of Police because uh, it's unfinished business there in terms of reminding police about training of police so that things improve in that space as well. We need more than training, aren't you? Well, you, you, I'm being polite. But, you, you know, it's unfinished business. Let's say. Let me tell you something. It's it's the time for being polite is over. 
It's. Uh, I mean, there's nothing. I'm not saying we have to be rude, but it's. It's fantastic. The report is living testimony to the fact that there have been gross, um, gross human rights. You know how you were just talking about recommendation forty six. Yes. I've got it right here in the summary. Yes. And it it actually says legislative reforms required to enable Europe to fulfil its mandate for truth telling. Recommendations forty five to forty six. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well, these are important things to make the system change. Uh, this is part of the problem. We can have a lot of good things happening and have plenty of money, but it's conditional, and it's not always done in consultation or with uh, our people at the table. Absolutely, absolutely. And I really thank you for coming onto the program because you, you, you know, it's been a very would be would have been a very heavy day for you, Auntie Eleanor Eleanor with um the press conference as well. So I'm I really appreciate your time here on this show and I'm very honoured to have you. Thank you and thank you. And I really appreciate the work that uh you all do in community radio, especially uh C R because uh we uh, we talk when we can to the station um, on request uh, and we like to uh, update people in that medium as well. It's very important. It, it is, it is. And um, one, one of the things that I wanted to um, finally talk about, if you've got a little bit more time, is just in regards to um, the child protection system, what can we be done for the future to change some of these things? Well, the recommendations need to be implemented. That's the first thing. There has to be change uh, from some of the things we saw with our own eyes and what we heard from people. And we heard we heard from individuals who spanned, you know, their family sometimes with two, three generations, sometimes even four, you know, had these experiences. This is... This is just totally unacceptable. Uh, And those recommendations um, uh, need to be implemented. The the question you're raising, of course, is how do we uh, uh, make sure there's an accountability mechanism to um, say when this is not uh, happening? And, uh, you know, Australia has product a productivity commission and we're looking at some model like that um, to uh, make a recommendation when we do the final report because accountability is such an important thing and we need a system where somebody checks uh, you know what uh, money has been spent how it's been spent and what the outcomes were and did they meet the recommendations or the requirements of the programs that were being funded. So we're still looking at that one. Absolutely. And examples would include recommendations to improve the Children, Youth and Families Act 2005 and to improve bail sentencing and other criminal justice laws. And on the Do and Time show, we talk a lot about deaths in custody, providing a safe environment for all Victorians, all Australians to to come onto the show. But in particular, looking at women in prison and also First Nations people to to talk about what concerns them. It is very important and uh, uh, 
it's a hard space to talk about sometimes, uh, really, but uh, people that have come and told us about what's happened to them are very strong, or ha- happened to them or their child, you know, are very strong, and uh, it just makes you weep uh, when you feel powerless. So this is something I don't, I don't think our people will let go. And uh, as far as the Europe Justice Commission is concerned, we are looking at that issue, uh, accountability. We have to have an accountability mechanism. We do. Auntie Eleanor, thank you so much for coming onto the, onto the program. Are there any final comments that you wanted to make? No, um, uh, I can't think of any more things to say. You're my third interview today. So. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> so, um, I'm pleased to be speaking with you now. And, Lovely. Uh, look forward to it again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Auntie. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Auntie Eleanor, who is the chair of the URIC Commission. And the Do and Time show will continue to monitor the implementation of the recommendations made in this report and hold the state accountable to report on the status of implementation during the remainder of this Royal Commission. And if you want to um, have a look at the report, you can jump on the Uruk Commission website or or Google um, Uruk Commission. And we'll speak with um, Debbie Kilroy from Sisters Inside next after a short break. We seem to have, yeah, after a short break, we will speak with Debbie Kilroy from Sisters Inside. Vibe Union is bringing exciting, ongoing showcases of local talent across Melbourne. This creative collective provides a supportive platform to upcoming artists, hosting poetry open mic nights, intimate singer-songwriter evenings and hip-hop showcases. Head along to one of their events for a welcoming night of creativity or see how you can get involved at vibeunion.com.au. Vibe Union is a 3CR supporter. Do you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the books and boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book. And you're back with the Doing Time show and you just heard an interview with Auntie Eleanor Burke about the second report tabled um, with the Uruk Commission in regards to reform of the child protection and criminal justice system. Although eventually 
we're going to be have, have to have abolition at some stage and put in alternative services. There is a human rights emergency in Queensland's already broken youth justice system that disproportionately affects Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. This violates the Convention on the Rights of the Child, an international legal instrument that stipulates the minimum conditions needed to detain small children. The Do and Time show condemns the Queensland Government's rushed amendments that, having now passed, will override the state's Human Rights Act to allow adult watch houses to be used as youth detention centres for the next three years. Australia's first and only Aboriginal-led coalition of legal health, human rights and First Nations organisations change the record and other organisations have condemned this. And pretty soon we're going to be speaking with Debbie Kilroy from Sisters Inside who will talk to us about the new... um, the new watch house laws and I am going to also take the opportunity to ask her about her work and sisters inside. I've been trying to secure an interview with Debbie for many years so I'm really looking forward to it. Hello Debbie, welcome to the program. Oh hey Marissa, how are you going? Good, good thanks. And you? Yeah, great, thank you. That's great. So Debbie, um, it's 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 a horrible thing. It's a catastrophe, isn't it, what's been happening in Queensland? But before we talk about that, just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Sisters Inside first. Sure. Um, Sisters Inside an independent non-government organisation which exists to advocate for criminalising and imprisoned women and girls, their children, families and communities, and we do so alongside them. So basically what that means in practice is that we started when I was in prison, the organisation, um, when I was part of the Life as a Long-Termers group, and when I was released on parole, went back to prison and we changed our name to Sisters Inside. And um, we've been operating ever since, and we're an abolitionist organisation. Fantastic. Can you talk about the Watch House amendments rushed through last Thursday with no oversight from an independent parliamentary committee? and tell us about the detrimental and quick impacts it will have on children. Sure. So there was a case brought to the Supreme Court um, to challenge keeping challenge the keeping of children in watch houses. It was in regards to three particular boys. Um, so it was a habeas corpus application, which is fundamentally about bringing up the person um, to court And it was deemed then that further litigation was to continue, but the judge said that the three boys had to be released or moved. Um, So in the wash-up of that, what we found out later is the organisation that um, filed that legal action also wrote a letter to the government saying that they wouldn't take any further litigation um, as long as they worked with them to get children out of watch houses. But as we know, that they can't make a promise like that in regards to other organisations. So there was advice, it seems, from the Solicitor General and the advice, it seems, um, even though we haven't seen it and the government will not disclose it to anyone, um, is that they either have to release children or um, legislate that watch houses are children's prisons and they went further to legislate that parts of adult prisons could also be children's prisons and so the government took 
that um, action and tried to sneak it through a, num- a bundle of amendments on the Wednesday and the amend- amendments were passed by Thursday afternoon, so within 24 hours, and they had to suspend the Human Rights Act as well to do that. Um, so highly concerning, obviously, because uh, they also made the law retrospective for 30 years, so... Um, the advice was that children had been detained illegally because specific orders weren't made at the time over 30 years. So it's to clean that up and to stop any, what they think, civil action, class action that could be undertaken now. Do you think there's there could be some a class action momentum? Um, we're working on that with lawyers and barristers now. So we'll wait and see. Very important. And were you involved in organising a mass rally for this? We did. We, um, Sisters Inside, organised a snap rally on Thursday morning and uh, for 3pm on Thursday afternoon. And um, we had a good turnout, which was great. Uh, Lots of media, um, lots of demand um, for this amendment not to be passed. Um, After the rally, a few of us went into Parliament House to watch Mark Ryan, the Minister for Cops and Cages, um, to move the legislation, move the amendments. Um, however, when by the time that we got into Parliament House, there was a security officer that wasn't too happy with me because I was tapping the chair, not loudly, just I was listening intently and just, yeah, like if someone taps their foot, I tap my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was told by the security guard. And I wasn't allowed to tap my fingers. It was like on the chair. It was a leather chair. It's like, okay. Um, so I stopped and then she had a problem with my shirt, sister's inside shirt, oh. and said, you can't wear political statements here. I said, it's not a political Well, it probably is a political statement, but I mean, it's sister's inside. It is the organisation that I work for. And I said, and this government funds us. And she said, well, does the LNP fund you? It's like, well, they're not in power. But when they were, yes, they we had funding from them, like, Contracts continue on. But anyway, um, and then she told me to stop talking. And I said, well, I'll stop talking if you stop asking me questions. Like, (laughs) that's the only reason why I'm talking. Anyway, not long after the head of security came, this other woman standing over the top of me with police and said that I had to go. And I tried to explain to her that I was told to stop tapping my fingers, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long story short, I was thrown out then. So we missed Mark Ryan. I missed Ryan, like, and a couple of colleagues of mine from Sisters Inside. We all had to leave. And one of the young women who was there from another organisation and had their T-shirt on said to the head security guard, well, what about my T-shirt? And the security guard said, yes, I'm going to get to that T-shirt. Even though we'd been through security and explained everything and was clear. Anyway, so we missed the passing of the amendments to become law because of getting thrown out of Parliament, the people's house, but it's obviously only for certain people for certain times. So, yeah, it's pretty disgusting all the way around, really. That That's just really despicable. Mm. Like, I'm not surprised, but that's demonisation, isn't it? Uh, it's clearly targeting. And, you know, at the end of the day, like waking up on Friday morning, you know, with such despair about what this government has done, really, and what they continue to do, which is brutalise not only the children today, tomorrow, next week, but for generations to come. And they clearly know that they are doing that. And 
did it without a blink of an eyeball. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I'm so glad that you told us, Debbie, about this. It's it's so important because the 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 Doing Time show talks a lot about discrimination and demonization. Uh, you know, from all communities. Mm. So can you talk about the Watch House? What's it like inside a Watch House? Sure. Um, so we're in Watch Houses all the time. I'm in Watch Houses. Um, so a Watch House, but fundamentally Watch Houses were built as like a holding, a back cell, um, you know, to a cop shop to hold someone for less than 24 hours, um, you know, while they like arrested, gone to court, released or sent to prison. Over the years, obviously, they've had to build more um, concrete cages um, because there's more people that, you know, get arrested, etc. So they're in concrete cages. Well, when I say cage, I don't mean a physical cage with bars. I mean a cage, concrete, where you can't get out. So they're concrete cells with, um, you know, the bed or the slab is built into the wall. It's called a bed um, with a toilet and... There could be two of those slabs have two person in, two people in the um, watch house cell. Um, you can't move in and out of that cell unless police or those who work for police, um, like quasi police in watch houses, because they, you know, farm out um, to other organisations now to be watch house keepers. Um, so you know you can't move. So children can't move out into a, a common area. They can't go to the shower. Um, they can't access like a kitchen with food. They don't go to school. They don't go to programs. Anything that you would think that you would get in a children's prison, even though we know that the children's prisons here in this jurisdiction are being locked down for 20 plus hours a day most days because they don't have the staff. Um, but the watch house is quite brutalising. And then if you're in a watch house in a place which is one not in the big cities, um, you know, you can be. Kids can be seen by adults kept in watch houses and we've had stories of young girls, you know, who've spoken to our staff when they go and see them because they're in watch house, uh, in suicide gowns in the watch house and the adult men can see them so they're too scared to go to the toilet because they don't have under, they don't give them underwear and so it's just been horrific and um, the sexual violence that's been sprayed across to these girls is horrendous and, you know, over the years I've contacted the powers at be to let them know that something's happening to, let's say, Mary, and they'll sort it out and get her out, out of there. But, I mean, um, that can no longer happen because now these watch houses are deemed children's prisons. I think the most horrifying thing is not only just this, but what people aren't picking up on and the media's not picking up on is that parts of adult prisons can be deemed children's prisons now. And that is even more brutalising than being in a watch house. Um, so young men, boys, um, will go into an adult system and where they could be brutalised even more so where there's no point of return in regard to that brutalisation. Thank you so much for for describing all that because it's it's important that people know that. So more than 180 human rights and legal experts, as I was saying before, social justice organisations and First Nations community groups have signed an open letter condemning the Queensland government mm-hmm. for overriding the state's Human Rights Act to lock children 
in the state's police watch houses. Can you talk about this? Yeah, well, it's a letter that came around very quickly. So after our SNAP rally um, and the SNAP rally was announced, there was a number of organisations that came to that. We've obviously been discussing this across the country um, and, um, you know, it was something that we agreed to do together, which is great. Uh, And I think that, you know, this point of time and all the media and all the letter writing and will be gathered as evidence in decades to come when they have a Royal Commission or inquiry into what's happened to these children, you know, during this time, there's no doubt. It's going to be another Ford inquiry or another Royal Commission, you know, into the abuse of children, and we'll see that these children who will then be adults will be paid out money, like in redress, because of the harm. So instead of a government that knows now the harm that they're perpetrating and not going down that road, um, you know, that's the road. The children will be violated and <clears throat> governments in decades to come will call an inquiry into that because the abuse will be so bad. And, you know, when abuse, when you abuse children in prisons, children's prisons or watch houses or in adult prisons for that matter, which this law will allow, you know, they will be harmed and so they will come out in the community and there will be more harm inflicted on the community. This has got nothing to do with community safety. This is all about harm. Government knows that and it's just a butt-covering exercise once again and these children are throwaways. They they have no political currency for this government or any government. They don't vote for, and they're predominantly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children so they're the throwaway children as far as the government's concerned. It's all about colonisation and genocide, mm. and it reminds me a little bit of the Joe Bjocky Peterson days. Are they coming back? <laughs> oh, I was around Joe Bjocky Peterson days. I'm that old to know. Um, and you know, I was one of these kids, as you know, 50 years ago. So five decades. You know, it's worse. It's not better. One thing about Bjocky Peterson days, you actually knew what was coming, right? Yeah. Um, the right wingers. They run straight. They tell you what they're going to do. They're going to do it. But the problem with Labor is they drag Labor further to the right and you don't know which way Labor's going to jump because it's all about holding on to power and staying in their positions politically. And so it's really scary because... And we saw that, you know, um, last Wednesday where they hid away these amendments within other amendments, within a a bill that had nothing to do with, um, you know, it wasn't presented as amendments in the Youth Justice Act. So, you know, it was very, very sneaky. So, you know, Labor either needs to run straight, say what they're going to do and stop pretending that they're actually supporting children as well because they're not. <clears throat> they're talking about that they'll address the issues, the fundamental issues and community safety, but what they're doing does it, is actually harm, not safety. And they're pitching victim groups against the children and labelling them in disgusting ways where the children have been harmed multiple times and that's never been resolved. And what we see is all the money, all the funding goes to cops and cages. So, you know, we had an um, inquiry last year in Queensland into the Queensland Police Service that exposed in evidence the racism, the sexism, the misogyny. And what happened there? They got another $100 million dollars. And just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars is kept being poured down, uh, you know, a failed Queensland police service. 
Um, but that's what this government does. That's what successive governments do. They actually don't make um, the racial, gender, violence or policing accountable for anything that they do. And they definitely don't make the racial, gender, violence of the prison system accountable for anything that they do. Um, so, you know, we live in a, a world, you know, where the colony is the colony and continues its ongoing genocide project within Castle Logic. Absolutely. And finally, can you tell listeners some alternatives to watch houses? Well, there's many alternatives to cages, and that, that's easy. Stop locking up kids, right? Um, support children in the... You know, it's... Okay. We've got to think about the prison industrial complex and all its tentacles. And one of those tentacles is a family policing system, right? Which is what some people call child safety, child protection, where it's got nothing to do with safety or protection. So predominantly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, babies are taken from their mothers at birth or not too long after birth. And then they're pipelined into numerous foster families, which are usually white, and they're paying those families to raise these children that have been taken from their families. They don't support the families to keep together, they take them. And then once a child is abused, they move to the next family, the next family, the next family. And some of the girls we know that we support have been in 10, 20, 30 foster homes before they're thrown out and end up in these residential care houses, which government funds hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's where they start getting criminalised, usually, as 10-year-olds. So the cops are called to address behaviour that the so-called youth workers actually don't address um, themselves. You know, like if... um, my child, my grandchild kicks a hole in the wall. I call the plasterer, not the cops. They call the cops for everything. <laughs> and so then children are pipelined, charged in watch houses and yeah. in the kids' prison and pipelined into the adult system. So we need to cut the head off the snake way back in the beginning. And um, But, I mean, the things that we do at Sisters Inside, you know, everything we do is from a decarceration framework. So we put a lot of time and energy with the girls that we support and the children that we support whose mums or grandmothers were in prison to move them away from being criminalised and in prison. And that's longevity. It's about walking with the family for many, many years, if not decades. It's not about a quick fix that some NGOs think that they can do um, because the problem is with the NGO sector, it's also a welfare industry, so no-one's working to put themselves out of a job. They're working to keep themselves in a job. So they're part of the problem as well. So it's about addressing that and getting the real... Working with the children so that their relationships are there with us forever after. And uh, and some children last and some don't. And we just had a little one who died on the weekend who went through everything. She was in a watch house, but she never went into the children's prison because we supported her and continue to support her and... She was a mum of three kids, but she died on the weekend. And so the effect mm. of, you know, all that is just is hard to come back from. So the tragedies continue to occur and the state gets away with their violence. Indeed. And, and in fact, um, before you go, I'm not sure whether you... You would have, you may have read about this that there was a an interim report released um, tabled today from the Europe Commission about the child protection system, and it's interesting. Have you heard of Europe Commission in Victoria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have. And in during the opening remarks, and this really ties with in with what you're saying, 
And I quote, it says, we heard about a child protection system. These are opening remarks at the press conference today about a child protection system that was often too quick to remove children because Aboriginal families did not fit white middle-class views about how children should be raised. Now, obviously, um, Sisters Inside specifically doesn't just have Aboriginal children, isn't it? It's all children across the board. That's right, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, Aboriginal children are very much over, overrepresented. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. They're over-incarcerated. Mass, we call it mass incarceration. We mass. don't talk, yeah, we don't talk about overrepresentation. And the reason why we don't use that language is because that suggests that some representation is okay. Where we don't believe that any representation of any Aboriginal and Torres Strait children or any other child who's living in poverty with their mother is affords to have the family policing system in their lives and where their children are taken because they're black or they're poor or both. Um, this is a construct of racial capitalism, and this what is what must be dismantled. Um, and a lot of people make a lot of money on the back of the children and the families and the communities that we're talking about. And um, no one is seems to be courageous enough to dismantle these systems so that we all can share the wealth that we have in this country. And we have a lot of wealth in this country. We can end poverty overnight, but we choose not to. When I say we, I'm talking about the state. <clears throat> and this is the issue. Um, you know, I remember, um, I don't know how long ago, maybe two decades ago. Oh, yeah, anyway, a while, a while ago, that um, they had their the National Homelessness Conference here and um, in Magadan and at the convention centre, and I was asked to speak. And when I got up and I looked around, there was thousands of people, and I went, Oh, my God, no wonder we have a problem with homelessness because look at all who's getting paid. And that welfare sector is even huger than ever. So no housing's being built. We're just paying for programs and staff to address um, homelessness. How can you do that if there's no home? Why are we funding people to address homelessness or organisations, for that matter, when there's actually no homes? The money needs to go into building. And this is an issue. This is a welfare industry that... The so-called, you know, middle-class white sector advances itself in and builds their own silos of empires. Which is why I deliberately used the word overrepresentation because I really wanted you to talk about this and we've both succeeded, I think, in delivering some really important information. <laughs> 1788 all over again. Mm-hmm, and some. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming onto the program. Any any final comments before you finish? Um, no, I don't think so. Not unless you've got something to ask me. Um, oh, good. But, yeah, but no, thank you for having me and great to talk to you. And um, I think we've just got to keep fighting the good fight, all of us. We do. Yeah. Thanks a lot, and Debbie. Maybe I'll see you all up at up here at Magazine in November for Sisters and Size International Conference. When's that? Eighth, ninth, tenth of November. So the conference is Abolition Feminism Now. Um, so it'll be great. We'll have um, Angela Davis back as well as many other lead abolitionists from around the world um, coming here um, for our conference over three days. And there'll be lots of um, formerly incarcerated women and girls that will also be here. So um, it's free for any woman who's been formerly incarcerated and there is a fee. 
um, registration fee for others and that uh, registration fee that others pay obviously um, allows us to have as many formerly incarcerated women and girls as we can to come to our conference for free. Okay, well, I'll keep talking about that on the show. Thanks a lot, Debbie. Thank you. Take care. Bye. And that was Debbie Kilroy from Sisters Inside speaking about the new watch house laws and a lot of other far-reaching topics and human rights violations of children, First Nations children as well. And we're just about the end, at the end of our show. It's approximately 4.53. Thank you to Auntie Eleanor for speaking on the show from your commission. And thank you to Debbie as well. I wanted to also issue a special thank you as well to Evan and Rachel. Um, Rachel is from Change the Record and has been doing some media work with them, with, with that coalition. And also Evan has been doing some media work with the Europe Commission. And thank you indeed um, for these two wonderful people who have um, helped me to prepare materials for today's show. It's approximately 4.54 and we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And watch this space, stay in and come in every Monday, listen to the doing time from every Monday from four or five. It's been a long day. Anyway, thanks a lot. Bye. Be kind to each other. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.